0: to not love the world today on the midweek move we're going to discuss that Hello welcome to the Mimic Move podcast extension of The Healing Places, the podcast where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, Carlos and I are going to be continuing our journey through 1 John chapter 2 with a discussion on what it means to not love the world. Last week, we had a conversation about a couple of tests that... Uh, That John had given the early church talk about the test of obedience, the test of love, and I thought that was a great conversation. I thought it was real practical. A lot of ways, I think so too. Pre-show, you had mentioned something about John. Would you call it It was like almost like a a proverb, a book of proverbs for people?
1: I said if if the New Testament had the book of um, proverbs, it'd be First John. Just because proverbs is kind of like fatherly wisdom toward the toward the son, right? And and first John is very much in that vein. So yeah. It's all it is the proverbs of the New Testament to me. Yeah,
0: I like the way you put that. I hadn't thought about it that way. Well, let's jump into some more fatherly advice uh, being given to uh, an early church that's dealing with some heresy, but also to us uh, because uh, God is good to us. Yes, He is. <laughs> uh, starting in verse fifteen, says this: Do not love the world or the things in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So John now moves our conversation from the state of the believer, kind of to a conversation about the state of the world. He begins by warning Christians not to love the world or the things of the world. Um there's a theologian named Dodd and he describes this idea of the world as, that John addresses as the life of humanity I'm sorry, the life of human society as organized under the power of evil." Yes, Which is an interesting description here. And John, he's defining this, uh, these things in the world uh, that we should not love as desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes and the pride of life. These are the things that are in direct conflict with the love of the Father that we right. just talked about. Yep. These are a direct conflict of the things of his commandments and how we should love each other. Yeah. So let me ask you, this, though, what do these things look like practically? These are these are words that we could just throw out, but I feel like sometimes we read these things, but there's not a, like, what does it actually mean? Like, what are the uh, desires of the flesh? What is the desires of the eyes and the pride of life?
1: You know what, in... in if, if you're living for God for any period of time, any amount of this, this can feel almost like an exhausting conversation. You tell people, you know, a lot of times we'll tell people, man, don't love the world, don't love the world, but, it, but we fail to properly, Know contextualize that we fail to properly explain that, mm-hmm. um, and really, like you said, I'm glad you make the distinction. The world doesn't mean the people; mm. it doesn't mean people that are in the world. We love the world when it mm. comes to the people that are in the world, but the world of itself is a system. Right? The world is is a way that it operates. The mentalities and the and the devices and the systems of the world. The systems of men and all of that has been touched by sin, mm. and all of that has been corrupted by by the natural evil nature of men. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand um, because of that, because of that, the propensity for sin to be introduced to any part of life through the system of the world, you have to be on guard against that. And he talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. If you take any sin that you can think of, anything mm-hmm. you can think of, you think about lying, you think about adultery, you think all of those, it's going to fall into one of those three categories. Mm-hmm. It's going to be you talking about the lust of flesh, you're talking about the desires of the natural man, the carnal man, mm-hmm. you know, the things that our appetites mm-hmm. of our flesh, no things can. We have natural appetites, but they can get twisted. Mm-hmm. You no, know, you can you can have hunger, but that natural appetite can get twisted into right. into gluttony. You no, know, I have a wife, but natural appetites can be twisted into sexual immorality. Mm. You no, know, we talk about the lust of the eyes, the things that we see that we want, that we desire. You know, the 10th Commandment talks about covetousness, you know, yeah. wanting things that aren't yours. Right. And we talk about the pride of life, the desire to be lifted up, the desire to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the original, the original sin of Lucifer, desire to be looked at and seen, and have the an accolades that will right. push you, they will push you in the direction that is antithetical mm. to the commandments of God, and you'll do the things that God won't desire. And, and like I say, any one of those things, you can go back to Genesis chapter 3. Three, where the woman fell, all three of those are wrapped up in lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Go back to the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, mm. lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Exactly. He tempted them with those three, three things, Yeah, and those are the headers and the category of everything that will face us. Right, It's going to be one of those three things or a combination of those three things. And we have to have our eyes open mm. to understand that the system that the world operates in is in opposition to God and that we are to operate in a different plane, on right. a plane of of obedience to the word of God. And when we do that, we're going in the opposite direction of those three things.
0: Exactly. And I feel like uh and I'm glad that we you went this direction because again, we're over the years we say, Don't love the world, but like you said, we don't define it. But at the same time, sometimes people have overdefined it.
1: Yeah. And they yeah, have been yeah. like,
0: you know, I've I've heard stories. <laughs> I was talking to one of our, our blessed old saints and um, they grew up in a time frame where you made your own clothes and the first time the option of going to buy your own clothing from a store. Right. Yeah. They were accused of loving the world. Right. Why would you want to look like the world? You're not supposed to look like the world. Not supposed to love the world. It's not, I just need to be clothed. Right. And the test is always going to be
1: it just when we're talking about who's guiding this thing? You no, know, is is it is it being driven by the world? Is it being driven by the system of the world? What is an honor? Mm-hmm. What does it point to? Right. You know, is is, is, is and me going in this direction or participating in this or 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 you know, or enjoying this or whatever. Is it gonna put me in opposition with God as it concerns his commandments? Mm-hmm. You know, and then we'll then we'll know what the driving force is. There are certain things we gotta do because we gotta live and we gotta be we gotta be in the world. And we gotta be around people. Right. You no, know, we gotta eat. I gotta go to work. <laughs> you know, I have to associate with people. I have right. to I have to do but there are things and lines that I draw in my in my life that I don't cross those lines because those lines are driven by the systems of the world, mm. and they will cause me to be in opposition to the commandments of God and my relationship and my commitment with him. That's when I see, okay, that's the world. That's mm. not God.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, so continue on. Verse 17 says this, And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So, Johnny's point pointing out the fact that these things that we've talked about, mm-hmm. and I think this is another marker for the loving the things of the world. It's, it's, these are things that they are they're, they're vanity. Mm-hmm. They fade away. Yeah. They're not going to make it. They're not Our relationship with Christ will last, mm-hmm. but these things will go away. And I think it's another marker that we should, when you, we love things, and when it, again, he's using stark contrast. He's very mm-hmm. big about doing that kind of like these exaggerated examples. And so when you talk about loving these things, we're putting these things above God. Was
1: it's almost an idea of clinging to those things? Mm-hmm. I think about the parable that Jesus talked about—the guy who who had fields and he had barns and and he had plenty of crops and he and he had so much. He's like, man, I got so much. Let me tear down the ones that I have and let me build bigger ones. Right. And he put. All of his effort into collecting stuff. Right. And he didn't have any idea that he couldn't do anything with it. He couldn't take it with him mm. and that he was going to die. His soul was going to be required of him. Right. That stuff was going to stay right where it was at. Mm-hmm. And he had to answer to God for his spiritual life. Mm. And so it's important when we talk about loving things or loving the world, it's not, like you said, it's 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 a clinging to something that's temporary. Right. It's a clinging. I know I've, like you said, we gotta have homes, we gotta have cars, we gotta have natural relationships. Yeah. But do I cling to those things above God? Do I look to those things like they have lasting value? And am I willing to do things for those things that 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 are problematic because of because of, of what I'm willing to gain out of those those things or am I willing to go the extra mile for the things that are eternal, the things that last? He said, You know, who who does, who who does the will of God abides forever, mm. you know. No, the one hand, then the other hand. Okay, which one am I willing to put my effort and my my affections on and and cling to and hold to and sacrifice for? Am I willing to do it for this, or am I willing to do it for this? Right. You know, he's telling us, he's encouraging us. The will of God is the one. That's the pearl of great price. Mm. That's that treasure that we that we dive into and we give our all to. And the world, you know, is is over here, but we don't give ourselves to that with a with a lasting heart or a a strong affection, you know, because that's going to go away. It's going to disappear. That's that moth and that rust that Jesus talked about in the gospel. But, you know, but the the solid foundation, the solid rock of the word of God is what's
0: going to abide forever. Mm, So good. So good. All right, let's continue on this conversation. Uh, Verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists have come, but uh, come by which we know that it is the last hour. They want, I'm sorry, they went out from us, but they were not of us. And if they had been of us, they would not have continued. They would have continued with us, but they went out and that they might be made manifest. And none of them were of us. Um, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and uh, that it is not a lie, I'm sorry, and that no lie is of the truth. Okay, several things taking place here in this passage here. John picks up the with his test of of uh, the define a believer basically mm-hmm. yeah. and the next test is what some would call the test of doctrine or belief he begins by pointing out that there are many antichrists plural right not uh, to be confused with the antichrist right.
1: with the, the, the man of sin or the son of perdition that the bible calls him
0: right this is but those who are who are simply against Christ these are people who are against the Messiah himself mm-hmm. And he's pointing these out to the early readers because the the, uh, Antichrist, they've walked out of the fellowship. These were people that were originally with them. They were people in their body. These were people who were legitimate like brothers and sisters. Not like Mm -hmm. we in in the church world go, oh, it's a brother and a sister. But these were family members. These were people that they knew, and they've left them. They've walked out, and they are against Christ. And he distinguishes the readers from these individuals by pointing out that uh, he is certain that they know the truth. Yeah. He's not there to bring new truth, as the claim of the heretics, but to affirm what has already been established right. in them. Right. And this is a again, this is a big ordeal. There's a conversations about Antichrist and and the and people who are against Christ. Um. But this distinction between the two, and this again, this comes, and we're gonna hit this here in a little bit. But the the cornerstone of our faith is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus the Christ, right, the, the Christ. Son of God, the Messiah. But let me ask you this: When someone comes to you, Carlos, with spiritual knowledge, mm-hmm. because that's what's happening—these people come. We have new revelation, new spiritual knowledge. How do you test what's being said? It's always important to test
1: what's being said. By and he talked about that earlier, and we talked about it in the in the first in the first half of this in the first podcast is testing it by the established Word of God and mm-hmm. established doctrine that's already in place. He talked about those fathers and those sons and those spiritual children, how they've known the truth, and he's telling them, "Hey, this what I'm saying here doesn't undo what you've already learned, what you already know." And me mm-hmm. personally, the Word of God is always going to be the standard. Right? It's always going to be the plumb line. Okay, this is true. Right? This is not true. And I was talking to a to an earlier bro- to a brother earlier. It's like if if you can't believe. And this and you don't have that at the plumb line of your face then then that means no then where's your standard mm-hmm.
0: now what does plumb line mean
1: Well the plumb line is, a, is is a device that is that is used it's almost a dangling device it's used to determine if something is straight or not mm. you no know, if it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't line up, what that, that plumb line is always going to be straight it's using a string and it's using you know, the gravity of the earth to create this perfect perfectly straight line and you use that to measure up against that plumb line and if the plumb line is straight and the other and the other is not like that and it's not the plumb line that's right. wrong right it's the other one that's wrong
0: right it's the standard yeah it, it is, is the standard it is the basis for everything that takes place mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a, a key distinction that people run into when we talk about faith when we talk about doctrine, this this is the standard. It is. And that's one of the biggest things that Paul or John is trying to fight here is going, Look, the word of God is the standard. It is. Do not deviate from this. Yeah. And the heretics, that's one of the things that they've done. They're like, You don't need this. This isn't the standard. Yeah. We have new revelation. We have written out some new, some new material for you guys to look at. Right. You know, we've we twisted some stuff
1: around right. a little and, bit. And then at that point, anything can be. Anybody can come in and say whatever. And you see this over and over again in the Bible that once you take this and you toss it out the window, that anybody can come in with anything and believe anything. Exactly. And it becomes very convenient to whatever the the whim or the wave of doctrine or the desire of the individuals are
0: right exactly so again for those of you listening if something comes to you and they have this fresh revelation of jesus christ or they have a a change of certain things look to the word like does yeah. it pair up with this right here the old new testament this canon of scripture and if
1: you're not confident talk to somebody that knows the word well right Go through it with somebody.
0: Exactly. Walk through what's being presented here. Uh, there's been argumentation. Well, there's several translations of the Bible. Look, ninety nine percent of the translations are out there. They're fine. Yep. I mean, they're perfectly fine. They're 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 going to walk you through it. If you understand it, please read it. I don't care if it's King James, New King James, Martin English version, English Standard Version. Read it. Right. You know, if you got questions about the stuff, please let us know. I like talking about Bibles. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> we can do this all day.
0: All day. <laughs> so, again, this this is the standard, and the people are getting away from it. And if you they come to you, you need to come back to this, period. In a discussion with that. Uh, verse 22. Who is a liar but who denies that Jesus is the Christ? I'm reading this slowly on purpose because there it, it is. there's a, a huge thing. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. John lays it out very clear. puts a super thick line in the sand, and that is, uh, of what the, is doctrine and true. If one denies Jesus is the is as Christ and as Son, they are in heresy. And I'm pointing that because there, there's it's a big deal. So, cause why is it such a big ordeal that we must assume, must affirm that Jesus is His messiahship, He is the mm-hmm. Christ, but also His sonship, yes, His relationship to God. Why is that important for us to affirm both aspects?
1: And this, I think, you're absolutely right. And and this is an this is another evidence of this being the writing of John because if you go back to his gospel, he spends a lot of time trying to prove this point, mm. trying to prove that he is the Messiah, and not only proving that he is the Messiah, that he is, he's not just some guy or prophet sent from God, mm. that he is the son of God because this proves his divinity. This mm. proves who he is in relation to the eternal God, right. the triune God, as he said in in um, his gospel in chapter one, that he was there in the beginning with God, and that he that he's always been, that he's co-eternal with God, and that this qualifies him for for what we talked about being the propitiation for sin, for him being the payment, the penalty, the sac- the sacrifice, the satisfaction of sin, and that makes him Messiah as well. His his perfect life, his his eternal position with the father mm-hmm. and the, the father sending him to be messiah this is this is what this is what separates jesus from everyone else it separates him from the prophets mm-hmm. that separates him from from all that we can, that the Bible would talk about, and that makes Jesus stand alone—the Son of God, the Savior of the world, eternal. Eternal is part of the Godhead, and the way to the Father. Mm-hmm. The only way. That's why He said that He is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to the Father but by Me. And without that, that is the core of the belief of what a Christian is to follow. And without that, you can't have the rest of the things that come after it.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> There's, I've had conversations with people before about cults. What is a cult? What is not a cult? And one of the major markers, there's several markers of what a cult is. One of the major markers of a cult is do they devalue the position and authority of Jesus?
1: Yep. What do they think about Jesus? That's always one of the bigger markers.
0: It is a massive one. And Jesus has to be the Messiah yep. in our faith. He has, he has got to be. We, we, some people think Christ is a last name. It's a it's a title. Right. It's the Messiah. It's the Mashiach. This is the one who is the one that pays the penalty for our sins and brings us salvation. Right. One and the same. At the same time, because some people go with that. They're, okay, cool. Yeah, he died. But he wasn't really divine. No, he was divine. Mm-hmm. He is the Son of God. Yep. He is God, and he is the Son of God. Right. This is the great mystery of the triune right. nature of Jesus. Right. But he he died for us and was resurrected Divine. Right, yeah. 100%. And you have to understand that. Is that what qualifies him to be
1: Messiah? Mm-hmm. No, if that wasn't the case, then Moses could have been Messiah. Exactly. Abraham could have been Messiah.
0: and they John the Baptist to be.
1: could have been Messiah. No, Messiah. Mm-hmm. But his divinity, his perfection, not born of the sinful blood of a man, but born of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that is what positionally makes his blood able to be that propitiation
0: for sin. Exactly. It is a central aspect that we have to have. Have to. In these early church, these heretics, they were trying to deny that. Some trying to deny the fact that Jesus was even a person, that he was just a a spectrum or a specter of some sort that kind of roamed the earth. Right. But Paul's going, or not Paul John's going. Look, this is a this is it. And if you deny this anyway, you're outside the will of God. Yep, one hundred percent. There are organizations out there that will say, "Well, we believe in Jesus too," but is Jesus God? Right. Is he the son of God?
1: Then it's not the same Jesus.
0: Yeah. Is Jesus the Messiah, or right. is he just a good teacher? Right. If he's not, you are you do not know the Father. Nope. Plain and simple.
1: Because he says, basically, you have to have one to have the other. Exactly.
0: These are key doctrinal aspects of our faith that we cannot get away from. And so he continues on here in verse 24. <clears throat> Therefore, let the... Uh, the abide. I'm sorry, therefore, let that abide in you uh, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received in, from him abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. John now goes on to this, he's having this discord on how to guard ourselves from such heresies. Right, He's going, this is how we protect ourselves. First is the orthodox teachings given by the apostles, which includes the Old Testament. That's a key aspect. We need to make sure we have that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the second is the anointing he's talking about here is the anointing of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit yeah. What does he say in the, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels? He is a teacher. The Holy Spirit will teach us all yes, things. Yes. Yeah. He reminds us of all things that Jesus said. Right. Let me ask you this, Carlos. Why are both of these so essential to our walk with God, and how do you be sure to keep a healthy balance of being in the word, mm-hmm. but also being sensitive to mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to be honest with you, there are a lot of camps out there that have swung the pendulum one way or the other, gone so far the way of, of oh, it's all Holy Spirit that they actually begin to deny what the Word of God says. Mm-hmm. And then there's also those who go so far the direction that because of the abuses, they deny that Holy Spirit's still active. So how do you keep that balance? And why is it so important to have both these in your walk, so good. You know, people say oh, I'm a word
1: person or a faith or a spirit person. Well, you should be both. Exactly. He, um, <laughs> he he says basically that he said let that let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. In other words, there's saving faith that came to you from the beginning, mm-hmm. and you came into a relationship with with Jesus through saving faith, and that saving faith was rooted in the Word. No, Paul eloquently states that, that faith come by hearing, mm-hmm. hearing by what? By the word of God. Is that the word of God is preached to a person, mm-hmm. and that person believes that word, believes that word of God, and they are brought into saving mm-hmm. faith and they are to abide in and John is them that there is to abide in that saving faith they are brought to the son because you are brought to the son you have the father remember nobody comes to the father but through me but through Jesus Christ so now we're abiding in the father when we're abiding in the father through the son because we have that saving faith now the holy spirit abides inside of us mm. And now the Holy Spirit teaches us to discern what's right and what's wrong, mm. what's true, what's untrue. I think the old King James v- Version called that word an unction, mm. you know, something that, that that bears witness with your spirit. Well, a person that is spiritually dead has no ability to react to sin. Yeah. You know, just like a dead body doesn't have any ability to react to any stimulus in its environment. But a person that is born again is spiritually alive, right. and now things that I used to do, directions I used to go in, things that used to tempt me. Now the spirit of God is alive inside of me and I have the ability to spiritually react to those things because the spirit of God is alive in me. Mm. And so that's important that the word, brings us to saving faith, it is our standard barrier, it's our measure, it's the truth, but even even our life, there's something that works inside of us as the Holy Spirit, as Paul said, it's not me that lives, but Christ that lives in me, yeah. Christ living in me, gives me spiritual awareness of what's going on around me, and the ability to discern right
0: from wrong. Right. So good, so good. I really do want to encourage you guys, When we need both of these things. Yeah, we do. We've got to have both the word and Holy Spirit active in our lives. I know that um, some people who are listening and watching, you come from a camp possibly that's one way or the other, and those are things that were established because they were responses to abuses. Right. And that's, I understand that. But there comes a point where we have to make a conscious effort to go, you know what? Let's just get where God wants us to be. Yep. Let's be in the middle. Sometimes there's a, a, there's, there's a time period where you've really got to swing hard one direction or the other for corrective purposes. But if we allow that to get out of control, yep. then we find ourselves in heresy either direction.
1: What we end up doing is we find ourselves ignoring an entire portion of what God has made available for us to live right through. Right. And we can't do that mm. because the Holy Spirit has spent his, this entire portion of his plan mm-hmm. making this available to us and we can't decide that I'm just going to I'm going to free will it out there and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit tell me and I don't have any relationship with the word mm-hmm. or we can't be to the point to where Holy Spirit can't deal with us on the internals, internals with us and we, we expect him to write it all out mm-hmm. you know cuz we can't hear from hope from Holy Spirit all we can't be any of that because that's not what the bible says and that's right. that's not the way He's designed us to live. He's mm-hmm. designed us to live in that fashion, and the Bible supports that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, verse 28, 29, let's wrap up this chapter. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I want to read that again. And now, little children, abide in him. And now, now that you have this information, now that you understand the test of love, the test of obedience, the test of your doctrine, now that you have these things, abide in him, Jesus, and when he appears, we may have confidence. Man, some people are dealing with confidence issues right now. Right. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. What's he saying here, man?
1: He's saying that basically and and I say this all the time that the way we live matters mm-hmm. what you believe matters, mm-hmm. and the way that plays out in your life matters because. No, essentially, we hold account to God for this. Right. He said when he appears, when we stand in front of him, he examines our life. We don't have to be ashamed if we abide in him. We're, we're living our life righteously in him. We're going to be fine. and he, he knows that everyone that is in him practices righteousness. Here's that standard again, that if I'm in Christ, that that's going to manifest out of my life, and I'm going to do what he, require, what he expects righteousness to be, mm-hmm. not just what people come up with, not just the works of men but right. righteousness according to the Word of God, right. that if I'm born of God, that's going to be the fruit of my life, and that it does matter. Yeah. It does matter how we live. It does matter what we do. It does matter what we believe. It does matter when when Jesus looks at us, if he sees a reflection of himself. It matters if the world looks at us and it sees a reflection of Jesus. Right. Those things do matter, and I think he's trying to encourage them in that direction.
0: Yeah. I want to point out this. Uh, sometimes the, when we're reading this, the he's, the hymns, and everything like that, it gets kind of messy what's going on. And one of our big things is who's talking, what are they talking about? And at the end of this last vocabulary here, of the uh, practice righteousness is born of him. This is interesting vocabulary because it's, he's um, at the front end, we're talking about Jesus, but he's not talking about Jesus, the born of him. When John talks about being born of, we, the, the vocabulary of being born of Jesus is not a thing. What he's saying here is born of God. Yeah. So what he's saying in, in essence is if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is a child of God. Yes. He's telling these people, he's reminding them that if we abide in these things, abide in Christ, this is a reflection that shows that this is proof text. You are a Child of God Himself. Yep. Your identity is in Him. Yep. You are reflecting not just an organization, but your Father in Heaven. Yep. God Himself.
1: When we walk into THP on Sundays, Sunday morning, there's no, there's no mistaking or n- it's not difficult to distinguish mm-hmm. who my children are. Mm-hmm. They kind of look like me yeah my oldest son kind of acts like me he does and there's a distinction there he kind of talks like he you too. talks like <laughs> there's a distinction there because of who he is in relationship with he is a reflection of that and 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 through that you know that he's mine yeah and this is very much the same way with god is that there's something that comes and more of that language of john of being born of us, born you no know, naturally and then being born again as now Allah, John chapter 3, that you have to be born out of your flesh, out of your mother's womb. You have to be born again. Right. And when you're born again, you're born into being a child of God. And when you're born into being a child of God, a good child, it's under the tutelage of their father. Mm-hmm. And they grow up to embrace the teachings of their father. Right. And that should be a reflection. They should be able to tell who you belong to. Right. And being a child of God, it's going to instill characteristics and spiritual DNA and 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 basically attributes of the Father
0: in your life. Right. I want to point this out. Everything we talked about, these tests, that they're involving action, mm-hmm. being active and obedient, active and loving our brothers and sisters, active and understanding doctrine. There's action, and all that requires relationship with God and God's yes. people. Um, and when we do that, some people, they feel like, you know, I say a prayer once, and I'm good to go. I should like It's like a switch goes off, and automatically it's like you go from light mode to night mode, you know? Right. It doesn't yeah. happen no. automatically. There's things that take place, but the more your relationship with God, yeah. the more these things rub off on you, and you're part of it. This, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we were at camp with the students, it's, uh, my my bride, and I, and then we had two students with us, and we went to camp, and we're hanging out together a lot. Mm-hmm. These are two young uh, individuals, first time in camp, first time away from their parents, and uh, so they kind of clung to Celeste and I. Now we have a relationship with them already. But by the end of the week, people thought these two people who didn't hang out much. The first time I had these two teenagers hung out was when I had them cooking jambalaya to make raise money for yep. camp. Mm-hmm. People thought they were siblings. Wow. Because they hung out with each other. One kid thought that uh, the young man was my son. Not at all. He has a his dad's amazing, he has an amazing beard, he has a fantastic personality and comedy that I can't match. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something that when you are around people like that, you begin to develop a relationship. There is a familial aspect that takes yeah, place. People go large. Man, are you guys is there a family relationship here? The more we're with God, mm-hmm. the more people go, Man, who's your father? You're starting to look like him. Exactly. The more we do this, the more we're with him, the more we look like him. So here in a second, I'm going to ask Carlos to give us his final thoughts on this whole passage. Uh, but we we'll want to hear from you guys. How have you been encouraged? How have you been challenged? Let us know. Leave a comment on our YouTube channel. Uh, message us. You can write us at mediahub at com or on our Facebook page, Midweek Move. Carlos, what is your big takeaway? My big takeaway is,
1: is that your identity is, is, is where you start from. Mm-hmm. And not our identity is to be in Christ. Our mm-hmm. identity is to be children of God. Um, and that starts with understanding who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and really settling in your heart that He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And when we do that, there's something that's birthed out of us, and we will find ourselves not loving the world, but loving God. Mm-hmm. And we will find ourselves looking more and more like the example that the Father sent us through Jesus Christ, and our and it, it should be our passion. Mm. It should be it should be our up. It should be our glorious obsession to be like Jesus and to walk this thing. And if that means that means that there are things that have to be set aside, then that's fine. Because yeah. I want to be, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be close to God. And I think John is encouraging them in, in that direction. You are children of the most high God, mm-hmm. the creator of all the universe. You belong to him. Right. You are you are his child. And now we have the benefit. We have the blessing we have the privilege of growing up in that. Mm. And and it's a beautiful thing.
0: Awesome. So good. Well, guys, like I said, we want to hear from you guys. How can we encourage you? How can we challenge you? How can we help you take your next step with God? Reach out to us on our platforms. And remember, we don't just make this content for the heck of it. We're not just sitting here talking, recording. Believe me, there are other things we could be doing. We do this because we want to help you take your next step with God. We want to make sure that you understand who you are in relationship to him. And we want to help you to better serve him, to better reflect him. If we can help you in any way, please reach out to us again, mediahub at teachbresseport.com, check out our Facebook page, Midweek Move, or message us on our comment on the YouTube video, okay? Yep. Until next time, have a great week.